If you would take your Bible and open to the passage that uh, Pastor Sam read, Luke chapter 13, in verse 31. Luke chapter 13, verse 31. And as we are looking at this passage, I've been looking at it, praying about it for weeks now, and I was just asking the Lord, what, what is the, what's the message here? What's the message for me? What's the message for our church? And I kept just coming back to the resolve of the king, the king's mission resolve. Jesus is on mission. He is on the mission that ultimately is going to lead him to the cross. And he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem. And throughout his ministry, he went to Jerusalem more than once. But, but all of his life is really focused on this one trip to Jerusalem, the trip to the cross. And it's not just been his earthly life. Really from eternity past, this is where he's been headed. This is his mission. And he's resolved to complete that mission. And this mission that he is going to complete is going to purchase for us our redemption. And that's a wonderful thing when we think about that. I mean, that in and of itself is enough, right? To know that Jesus is going to die on a cross in our place as our substitute. And he is going to be, become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so when we think about what he's doing, that's, that's wonderful. That's, that's enough to worship about. But it's not just what he's doing for us. But, you know, Jesus has called us to follow him. And so he's not only doing something for us, but he's showing us how when we are on mission with God... How we need to walk in that same resolve that he did. That as God has called us to follow him. He's called us as a church. He's called us as individuals. To follow him as he leads us. And sometimes the path that he leads us on has some, some bumps in the road, right? There are some difficulties along the way. And Jesus had those difficulties too. So I'd like us to read again the passage. It just helps me. It's my thing. I've got to read it again. I'd like us to read again the passage here, beginning in verse 31 of chapter 13. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, 
And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for the privilege to worship you. I thank you for the privilege of gathering again as we are now beginning more and more to come back to gather. And Father, I pray that that will continue to grow and you will stir in the hearts of your people the desire to gather together and worship your name. Father, I thank you for the privilege of preaching your word. And Lord, I pray that you would give me the words that you once said and you would direct everything said and done for your glory today, that your spirit would lead us and guide us, that that he would be our teacher, that he would speak to our hearts, Father. And Lord, I pray that you would receive all the glory and honor, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, the king's mission resolve. Jesus, as I said, is on mission. He's on mission with God, the Father, who has given him a very particular, very specific, very unique mission. But God has called all of us to be on mission with him. All of us are to follow Jesus on mission. And as we follow Jesus on mission, there are some things that that I think we can learn from this passage that will help us. Because when we are following the Lord, it's not always easy. Matter of fact, a lot of times it's pretty difficult. And you may wonder sometimes, am I on the right path? I mean, is this really what God's telling me to do? Because this seems pretty, pretty hard. I have to imagine that in Jesus' flesh, that, those thoughts might have come from time to time. Well, in this situation, it tells us in verse 31 that something happened that links us with the passage before. It says in verse 31, At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now, my first point is that we need to trust God. When we're on mission with God, we need to trust God's sovereignty in that mission. Because there will be people who will try to discourage us. And that's really at the root of what's happening with the Pharisees. I mean, think about it. (laughs) Think about all of Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees. Most of them are not very good, right? The Pharisees are not his friends as a group. There were certain Pharisees who came to faith in Jesus Christ, and that's wonderful that they did. But as a group, usually when you hear them referred to as the Pharisees, it's a problem. There's, there's going to, something's going to follow that's not necessarily in Jesus' favor. But here, this seems a little odd, almost like they're trying to help him out. They're, they're false friends is what they are. They're coming to him and they're, they're warning him about a danger. And, and because of this danger, they're just looking out for him. Jesus, you need to get out of town. But I want you to notice a little hint to their motive. And that's this first phrase in verse 31. At that very hour. At what very hour? 
Well, it's the hour at which he had spoken the previous passage. You remember from Joe's message last week, he shared how there was, uh, Jesus was, was challenging the people there when someone came and he asked a question in verse 23, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And when he answered, here's what he said. Strive to enter, verse 24, to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you have come from. Jesus has just told them some pretty hard stuff. Jesus told them that there was a narrow door. They had the idea that because they were the children of Abraham, they were all okay. Everything's right. They're the chosen people of God. And Jesus has just said, there's a narrow door. And we know that Jesus is that door. And he said, strive to come in through the narrow door. So there's a, there's a narrow place, a narrow place to come through to get into the kingdom. But then there'll come a time, Jesus said, when that door will be shut. There will be a time when that door will be shut. And as Joe shared last week, he said, get in while you can. <laughs> because there'll be a time when you can't get in. The door will be shut. That will happen. And so Jesus has just told them this. And prior to that, he had called for their repentance at the beginning of chapter 1. He said that uh, they would be like these group of Galileans whose blood Pilate mingled with their sacrifices or maybe like those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam had fallen and killed them. He said, you'll likewise perish unless you repent. He had called them to repentance. And repentance is a, a change. You're going this direction and you're called to stop going that way. And turn and go that way. So the implication is the way you're going is the wrong way. Right? If you have to repent, you're going the wrong way. So he has been telling them you're going the wrong way. He has been telling them there's a narrow door and you better get in while you can because there'll be a day when that door is shut. He even told them the parable of the fig tree that wasn't bearing fruit. And they had to know, many of them, that he was talking about them. And so Jesus has been saying some pretty hard things. So when they come to Jesus and they said, at that very hour, at that same hour, get away from here. I think they have an ulterior motive. I don't think they're looking out for Jesus' best interest. It seems that what they're looking out for is to get Jesus out of town. Get him away. For one, we don't want to hear what he has to say anymore. He's stepping on our toes. <laughs> we don't want to be told we're wrong. We don't want to be told we need to repent. We don't know, want to be told that we better get into the door, uh, the narrow door while we can. Because there will be a day when we won't be able to. We don't want to hear that. But they also may, want, may be thinking, let's get him on to Jerusalem. If we can get him on to Jerusalem, he'll be under the 
the authority of the Sanhedrin. Let them take care of him. Maybe something can be done about this preacher. But regardless of whatever their motives are, we're kind of guessing at the motives. We know they're not good. And what they are doing is they are trying to distract and discourage Jesus from his mission. The mission that he's on. And so that is what they're doing. They're trying to discourage him. You know, as you and I are following God on mission with God, we can be discouraged. There will be people who will try to discourage us. But we have to trust God's mission. We have to trust that if God has directed us, if God has chosen us and called us, that God knows what He's doing. He's under control. And we have to stay on task. Don't quit serving the Lord. You know, this is a tactic that's been used before. <laughs> it's not just used on, on Jesus. I thought of Amos uh, in Amos chapter 7, he was preaching God's word. And there's an interesting passage in Amos chapter 7, verse 10, where it says, Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, the king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile from, away from this land. So Amos, God's man, is preaching God's word, and the, the king doesn't want to hear it because it's against him. Jeroboam doesn't want to hear it, and Amaziah, who is the priest of Bethel, the priest says, hey king, Amos is preaching bad stuff about you. And so look at what he does. He goes to Amos. In, uh, well, it says in verse, verse 14, Then Amos answered and said to Amaziah, Excuse me, verse 12. Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go flee away to the land of Judah, and eat bread there, and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. Then Amos said to Amaziah, I was no prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. You say, Do not prophesy against Israel, and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore thus says the Lord. Your wife shall be a prostitute in the city, and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. So what did Amos do when he was told, don't follow God, don't do what God told you to do, don't preach here anymore. He said, I can't help it. God told me to do it, so here's the message. And he continued to follow the Lord. Jesus continued to follow his father. 
he continued to do what God the Father had called him to do. So we need to trust God, trust his sovereignty, and even trust him in the midst of discouragement, and even trust him in the midst of danger. Back in our passage here, what did they tell the Pharisees, tell Jesus? They said, Herod wants to kill you. Now, you could speculate, maybe they made this up. Maybe they're just trying to frighten Jesus and get him out of town, and that's possible. But the interesting thing is, Jesus doesn't correct them. So, quite possibly, Herod did want to kill Jesus. We know Herod was interested in what was going on with Jesus. And later, Jesus would stand before Herod. For a time, Pilate sent him to Herod. He wouldn't say a word to Herod then. Here's his message to Herod. <laughs> he gives message, a message to Herod. He said in verse 32, And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. So in the face of danger, what did Jesus do? He continued the mission. In the face of danger, he didn't have fear. Jesus knows that he's going to go to Jerusalem. He knows that he's going to die on the cross. He's already resolved to complete the mission that the Father has given him. And so... One, nothing else can happen to him. And two, if you already know you're going to die anyway, why would you fear death? You already know what's going to happen. God's already going to take care of that. There's nothing else you have to fear. Jesus had nothing else to fear. And so he said, go tell that fox. And what did he tell them to tell that fox? Well, he told him what he's been doing. He casts out demons. He performed cures today and tomorrow. And the third day, he's going to finish his course. In other words, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. This is what I've been doing. And I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. Back in Luke chapter 4. Jesus, when he was in Nazareth, had had an opportunity to read Scripture. And he opened the Scripture to Isaiah 61. And here is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This was Jesus' mission. The scripture was being fulfilled in him. He was doing what the Father had sent him to do. You know, God's calling is without repentance. When God calls you to serve Him, He doesn't change His mind. 
when those bumps in the road come up along the way, those difficulties, none of those were a surprise to God. God knew all of that when He called you. You know, that's one of the things about our salvation that, that just is so sweet to me. When I think about the fact that on a Sunday night, 1975, I put my faith in Jesus Christ, trusted Him as my Savior, and He saved me. He gave me everlasting life. And He knew all the bad stuff I would do after that. But He saved me anyway. Our God knows everything. Nothing ever surprises Him. So when you are following Him, there may be things that will surprise you. But that doesn't mean that He's changed His mind about you following Him. Jesus knew what His mission was. And it didn't matter what the discouragement was. It didn't matter what the danger was. It didn't matter what anybody else said or what anybody else did. Jesus was going to continue His mission. And you and I need to do the same thing. He was on mission. And so he trusted God in the midst of danger. He spoke about what his mission was. And he was going to continue that mission. And he knew that that mission included his impending death. Verse 33. He says... Nevertheless, I go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Jesus knew that he would die in Jerusalem. Now, what does this mean? It cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Does that mean that every single prophet that ever lived always perished in Jerusalem? No, there were quite a few. <laughs> but they didn't all perish in Jerusalem. But the idea is that Jerusalem is representative of the nation. And this nation has a record of rejecting God's message and rejecting God's messengers. And killing the prophets, he refers to in verse 34. And so, Jerusalem is where the Messiah had to die. He had to go to Jerusalem. And he knew he was going to Jerusalem. But when you are performing this mission, as Jesus was performing his mission, we need to perform the mission with compassion. We've got to trust God's sovereignty, but we need to perform this mission with compassion. Verse 34, Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. You know, this, this is kind of a mixed bag. Jesus is, is talking to Jerusalem. Again, Jerusalem is representing the nation. And he's saying, Jerusalem, 
You kill the prophets. It's on record. You kill those that God has sent to you. Later, he would give a parable. Luke chapter 20, we'll eventually come to that. But in Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 9, Jesus said he began, or it says he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and led it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant. And they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. The vineyard was the house of Israel. The vineyard was Jerusalem. And they had repeatedly rejected God's messengers. And now God has sent his son and they are rejecting God's son. And you would think, if it was you or I, well, I'll just speak for me. <laughs> if I was the owner of the vineyard, by this time, I'd, I would be, I'd be pretty angry. I'd be ready to just wipe them all out. No more chances. No more chances. But what does Jesus do? He said, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing even in the midst of speaking judgment on those who have rejected his word Jesus still has compassion aren't you glad that we serve a compassionate savior you know I get frustrated with this world sometimes. I, you, you guys aren't probably like that. You're probably a lot more patient than I am. But I read something in the news or see it on social media, what's going on in the world, and I just, what are they thinking? Why do people act like this? And then I have to remind myself that People are sinners. And guess what sinners do? They sin. And sometimes as Christians, we can, if we're not careful, we can, we can develop a hardness toward sinners. Because they sin. Guess what? We do too, right? You know, we sin too. <laughs> we know ours is forgiven though. We're special. Well, we're only special because he made us special. There's nothing special about us. We're just redeemed sinners. But sometimes we can be a little 
pharisaical if we're not careful. And we can look at the lost world and we can get so angry, so up in arms. And we can even almost feel like they don't deserve to be saved. But that's not the way Jesus is. You see, the very reason they do the things they do, the very reason that wickedness prevails in the way that it prevails is because people don't know Jesus. And sometimes we think the answer is protests. The answer is political action. The answer is some other man-made solution. But let me tell you, the only answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has called us as individual Christians and as a body to have compassion on the lost and share the gospel with them. And thank God for how He's moved in this body to bring up things like Cedarbrook where we are trying to reach our community and and share the love of Christ with them, reach them in tangible ways, not just be a place where we all just come and worship and then we just go home, but, but, but be a place where, where we can reach out to all those around us and share the love of Jesus with them. That's our mission. That's our mission. And sometimes the mission's hard. But it's still the mission. Jesus was on mission. We're on mission. And we need to perform the mission with compassion. Lost people do what lost people do. <laughs> That's why they need Jesus. That's why you and I needed Jesus. That's why we still need Jesus. Every day. Let's not expect unbelievers to act like believers. You know, if, if we just try to reform the world, try to make them act better, that's not our mission. Sometimes we, we get so wrapped up in social concerns that we forget. That should just be a means to reaching them with the gospel. Because unless a person is changed from the inside out, you just clean up the outside, you haven't done anything. The mission is the gospel. And so we have to have compassion at the same time we have to recognize that judgment will come on those who reject God's mission. Verse 35, Jesus said, Behold, your house is forsaken. What horrible words to hear from the lip, lips of Jesus. Your house is forsaken. Why was their house forsaken? 
Well, the previous verse tells us they were not willing. It wasn't forsaken because God didn't love them. It wasn't forsaken because Jesus didn't have compassion. All that was there. It wasn't forsaken because God didn't do everything he could to send servant after servant after servant to call them to repentance. It was only because they were not willing. But because they were not willing, their house is forsaken. And he said, I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's speaking to Jerusalem. He is going to come in a few days to Jerusalem. And they're going to say it. They're not just going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're going to say, blessed is the king. Who comes in the name of the Lord. But just a few days after that. They're going to reject him. In favor of a robber. A seditionist. And a murderer. Barabbas. And he knows all this. He knows all this. Folks. Jesus is still on mission today. He's still calling sinners to himself. He's accomplished paying the debt of sin. That's finished. He said it. As Pastor Sam said earlier, it is finished. It was completed. But he is still calling people to come to him. He may be calling you today to come to him. You may already know him and he may be calling you today to get in the business of following him. We have a lot of work to do. We are are in a unique time in our history. In our church history, in our American history, in Tennessee history, we're in a very unique time coming out of this pandemic. It's a very unique time. I believe God has opened doors for us to step through, but it may take some courage to step through those doors. God has paved the way for us. This is an opportunity for us to reach many people for Jesus Christ that may have not been ready before. And God may be calling you to get involved at some place. We hear week after week about the need in children's ministry. That is a tremendous need. We need folks to get involved in that. That has a ripple effect. You're ministering to those children But you're also ministering to those parents, enabling those parents to be ministered to. And enabling parents to minister to others. What a tremendous way to get involved in the kingdom. There are opportunities that are out there for us to serve the Lord. God wants us to be on mission with Him. Don't be distracted from the mission. But let's be on mission with Him. How about you? Are you on mission with Him? Do you know Him? Is He your Savior? Has He been knocking on your heart? And have you been like those in Jerusalem that were not willing? He wants to gather you close to Himself, just like He talked to them. And He'll do that right now.
You can trust Him. And if you've already trusted Him, He's calling you to serve Him. Be on mission with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank You that You are a compassionate, loving, kind, gentle, gracious, long-suffering God. Father, we don't deserve all the goodness that You have so abundantly shown to us. We don't deserve any of it. We deserve separation, judgment, hell. And yet, Father, You sent Your Son to take the penalty for our sin that we might know You, that we might have a relationship with You, might be forgiven of our sins, might be filled with Your Spirit, and then might be called to serve You and follow You. Lord, help us. Help us to take you seriously. And first of all, turn to you as our Savior. But as we do that, recognize that you are the Lord of all. Father, may we follow our Lord. in Whatever way he leads us, may you be glorified in our lives. Lord, work in our hearts in this time to respond to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.